only source of true delight whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding The passages that we're going to be looking at are found in your bulletin. If you want to look these up in your own Bible, certainly welcome to do that as well. Uh, but they're here for uh, your convenience. Uh, also, just point out that the last one, I, I, for some reason, because I guess I put Hebrews up here, I put Hebrews down there, that should be Romans 11.36, um, which we sang from, the first hymn. So you do have it, you just have to see it on the top of page 4, okay? <laughs> Romans 11.36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. But that was my bad, putting that... <clears throat> Let us pray as we uh, come to God's Word. O Lord, how we thank you that the whole of our lives is the result of your goodness to us. And that, Lord, you have blessed us from beginning to end throughout the whole of our lives in every way. And we'll do so for eternity. As we read in Ephesians, Lord, you will show forth the riches of your kindness, the riches of your grace, by being kind to us forever. How can we fathom what that means? That your kindness will overflow and enrich us forever in order to glorify, in order to make known just what a God of grace you are. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would help us today all the more to believe in your goodness, to believe in your promise, to believe in your nature as a God who commits himself to his people's good and never turns away from it, that the whole of our lives have benediction written across them. Lord, we pray that we will all the more rest in these things and know your shalom and be strengthened to obey you in all circumstances. And Lord, that we will be able to rejoice in the Lord always, as Paul says. As he says, again I say, rejoice. That Lord, it will not be a flippant, shallow joy, but one built deep, rooted deeply in the knowledge of your absolute sovereignty and your absolute commitment to do your people good. Oh, Lord, make us strong in glorifying you, strong in rejoicing in you, trusting in you, and giving ourselves up to you. We ask these things for the precious name of Jesus. Amen. As I have uh, indicated here, the basic uh, 
subject is just the benediction. Now, we, we end, as we will uh, this morning, you can turn over to page 14 and see that we will use the very first one listed on page 11, Numbers 6, 24 through 26. And perhaps you've heard benediction your whole life. Perhaps you hadn't really thought much about it. It's just the way you end things, you know, at a church. Uh, sometimes we believe the word amen, for instance. We're going to talk a little bit about that but uh, in the future. But uh, we think amen simply is the end. You know, that's what you say at the end of prayer. It's the end. Amen. Um, and perhaps uh, the word benediction doesn't have much uh, meaning to you. But we hope to open that up some uh, this morning, and hopefully it will enlarge and really define for you more than ever, it will define for you the whole of God's relationship with you. That really it summarizes, in a real sense, everything God is to you, everything He does for you. That your whole life is marked by benediction. And there's never a time in your life that the benediction of God is not upon you. It's remarkable. It's not just that this one benediction is stated at the end of service, but it's meant to be a a reminder to you, a reinforcement to you that this is the whole of your life before God. This defines who you are. It defines what God is to you. Now, uh, the word benediction in Scripture, uh, perhaps the closest common word for this is the word blessing in the New Testament and in the Old Testament translated into the Greek, the same word. And it means literally good word. O-E-U is good in Greek and then Logia for the word Logos, close to the word Logos. You know the word Logos, John 1, he is the Logos. Well, this is the good word that God speaks to us. And his good word is his commitment, his promise to do good to us in the whole of our lives. It's it's his speaking forth this goodness to us. And he speaks it forth in a sovereign way. It's not just promise. It also includes with it the accomplishment of that promise. That's his benediction. So, because we'll see a little more of this in a minute, but when he speaks blessing, he blesses. Okay? Not just, I hope that you'll be blessed. Maybe you'll be blessed. It is an actual blessing of God that he brings upon his people. And this blessing never leaves them as they rest in him. His blessing is always upon them, as we will see. So this word blessing or benediction is, in a nutshell, describing the whole of his salvation for you. As it says in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Well, if that's not a benediction upon your life, and a benediction of everything that God can give you, then I don't know what is. Every blessing is spoken to you, is upon you. You own it. You have it. It flows to you. It is yours in Christ Jesus. Nothing is left out of the treasury house of God's grace and goodness to you. And so, 
Ephesians 1.3 basically is saying, God's benediction is upon you and it never leaves you. And it is complete and full and rich. So, defines the whole of his relationship to you. It really defines the whole of what he does for you. And I think in this way, it's synonymous with promise, but it even pushes beyond promise in some ways. But, but God's promise really is intended. It, it is a blessing in the sense that he fulfills his promise always. He doesn't just make bare promises. He doesn't make promises in the hopes that sometimes, somewhere, somebody will believe in it. He makes promises because he intends for his people to receive those promises, to believe those promises, to rejoice in those promises, to live out those promises. He intends for things to change because he promises his people. And he brings about the faith in us that will fulfill those promises. So his blessings come to us and are proclaimed to us, and he works in us to believe in those blessings, to expect those blessings, to rejoice in those blessings. So it's a turnkey operation, right? (laughs) He doesn't leave anything up to uh, our failure, but he will enable us more and more to receive these blessings. Now, it's important to see that the word blessing that's found in Ephesians 1, which is good word, literally, is so much like the word for gospel, which is the same little uh, EU good, then angelion, which angel, you can kind of see the word angel, which is messenger, and the, the good tidings or good news or good announcement or good report. So the good message is so much like the blessing. And so the gospel is really God's announced blessing to the world, isn't it? It's the announcement to all the world. I will bring you within the purview, within the atmosphere, within the sphere of my total blessedness. Come and receive the treasures and riches that I offer you. That's so much the heart of Isaiah 55, the great, one of the great uh, offers of the gospel in all of Scripture, where he says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. You see, the big table is laid down with God's blessing. It's a feast of salvation and enrichment and reconstruction of our lives and forgiveness and reconciliation. And he says, come and eat it. Don't fill your stomach with that which will not feed you, which will not nourish you. Come and receive my blessing. So the only really difference in blessing and, and, and gospel is that the gospel is more of an announced announcement, you see. The good news spread out of what? The good word of God, the good blessing of God that he brings about in all of those who trust him. So the gospel really is an appeal to submit to God's blessing, to 
enabled to submit to God speaking his benediction into every part of your life. In other words, let him get his gracious hands on you. Let him get his kind, healing, reconstructive hands on you. Let him bless you. Put yourself in the hands of this blessing God, you might say. And so, uh, outside of this sphere of God's blessing, outside the sphere of the good news and those who trust in that good news, is ultimate curse and destruction. And so, it's a fleeing from death, from destruction, to life and blessedness. It's a, it's a fleeing from brokenness to restoration as God speaks this glorious good news and announces the blessings that he would bring into people's lives. You know, right with Abraham, one of the, the, the most pronounced word there is blessing. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. You will be a blessing to the nations. When he, and, and here's, he's catching Abraham right off the bat. Abraham has no dealings with this God and, and, and God just comes in and announces these things to him. Uh, he has no revelation of anything of this, this God uh, in this way. And suddenly God says, I'm come, I'm here, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring blessing into your life and blessing through the whole of the earth through a descendant of yours. How about that for God's intention of good in this world? to bring good to the whole world through His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, the terrible irony uh, of refusing this God, amazing that we do this, but we will, if left to ourselves, we will refuse this God who only wants to bring the riches of His goodness into our lives. Such is our destructive character, our destructive nature. That's how badly we want to hold on to doing things for me. You know, like I will give up all the riches and glory and goodness of God if I can just call my own shots. Amazing, isn't it? That my idolatry of self would extend to the point of refusing an infinite God who offers to dedicate all of his resources to do me good. But that's what I would do if it were not for God's grace, to shine into my heart, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, so that my blindness is overcome by seeing the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to talk a little bit, uh, as we look at some of these passages, uh, of some of the aspects of this blessing of God upon us, or the benediction of God. And hopefully, as you hear the benediction uh, week after week, you can let that extend and, and believe it on a wider scale for yourself. You know, it's not just this one word, although it is to be believed and treasured and, and lived out, but it reminds you of the whole of your life standing under this blessing. And so this great blessing called the Aaronic blessing because it was given to the Aaron and his sons, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Actually, the words 
are the same except for, uh, in other words, the Lord shine his face on you, the Lord lift his face upon you. Those are, that really literally how, how it reads. That countenance and face are really the same word in the Hebrew. But it's just a repetitious way to say, his favor be upon you. His favor be upon you. Whether you're going to picture it in terms of his face shining on you or picture it in terms of his face being lifted up towards you or turning towards you. You've heard me say that because the translation I memorized it in has, he turns his face towards you. But it, it indicates the same thing, a turning uh, of favor and focus to do us good. And so grace is upon us and then shalom is upon us because of God's blessing. Now, I should have included the next verse, but I want to read it to you because it helps explain the nature of blessing. It says, after, and you, uh, and give you peace, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So interesting that this is in effect to bless them in this way is to put his name upon them. To put his name upon them. Now, we've seen this in our study in Revelation in Sunday school. In fact, this morning, uh, we saw that the Lamb stands with 144,000, which represents the whole of the redeemed humanity. And he stands with them on Mount Zion, and it says his name is on their forehead, and his Father's name is on their forehead. Now, not literally, but it's a picture of the ownership that God has of us. It's, it, it speaks of nearness and intimacy. It speaks of constant help and security. And so the first point is that to speak God's blessing upon us means his ownership of us and his protection of us. It, it, to put his name on us is to say, you are mine, you belong to me, and, all, and I draw you near to me. I will protect you and I will pour out my goodness upon you. So ownership and security, we are defined by his name. And wherever you go, whatever you do, you're to think of yourself as the name of God is upon me. The name of the Son is upon me. The name of the Father. The name of the Holy Spirit. God's name is on me. And it's a name of blessing. That's the amazing thing here is that when the blessing is pronounced and people believe in that blessing, then it can be said, therefore, God's name rests upon God's name. So God's name rests upon us in so much as we recognize that he is a blesser of his people and we believe that he is the one who blesses his people. So first place, ownership and protection. The second thing that we need to recognize in the benediction is that it is a sovereign word of God. It is a sovereign word of God. You have this in this passage as well, when it says God's blessing will be upon them. No doubt about it, right? Uh, and when it says the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face, the understanding is he will and can. He is able to do these things. God brings about these things in your life uh, and nothing can stop him from doing so. 
And some of the background for this is the sovereign word of God in creation. For instance, in Genesis 1, we read that he blesses the creatures of the sea and the birds of the air and they multiply. How many fish are in the sea? How many birds? You know, you've seen these gigantic flocks and these swarms of fish, even though we've depleted the seas and such, such as we have, just the swarms of, of life in the sea and in the air. And here's just one indication. When God blesses, it happens. When he speaks the word, it is fulfilled. And so in Psalm 119, 89, he says, your word is forever Fixed in the heavens. It's forever founded. Fixed in the heavens. It endures forever, we read uh, in Isaiah 40, verse 8. And I love the statements in the Psalms and in Job that speak of God's command with the elements. For instance, in Psalm 148, 8, it says, Fire and hail, snow, mist, stormy wind, fulfilling His word. Everything that happens is, is happening because God has spoken and he says it's going to do this. And that's what it does. His word always is fulfilled. As it says in Job 36.6, he says to the snow, fall on the earth. Guess what it does? It falls on the earth, right? Because he says what it's going to do. He speaks of the storm, Job does, in chapter 37, verse 12. And he says, this storm goes round and round, does wherever he wants to accomplish what he commands it to accomplish. And that's a backdrop for his blessing us. Is His word is sovereign. And so when he speaks blessing to us, there's nothing that can hinder that. There's nothing that can stop the sovereign work of God from going forth. And all the more we should believe that we indeed are blessed that, and to expect all the riches of God that are spoken in these blessings to be ours, to, for us to know these things. And you get a feel for this in Romans 8 uh, when Paul says in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's another way of saying if God is set to bless us, Nothing can stop him, right? If he is set to bless and do good to his people, nothing can stand in the way of that blessing. If God is for us, in other words, if God bless, what can be against us? And so nothing can oppose us. Secondly, all things must be his servant. All things work together for good, right? Romans 8, 28, in the same context. Well, it means that not only can nothing stand against us, it means that everything that happens to, to us, every circumstance, must serve our ultimate good by His power. That's the power of His blessing. Every other power on earth is bent to accomplish His purpose of doing good to His people. That's the power of His blessing. So nothing can oppose. Everything must serve and then in verse 32, there's that sense of if he's not spared his own son, but delivered him up for us, how will he not with him freely give us all things? So that's very similar to Ephesians 1, 3, every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. It, and he's not spared his son, so he will give us all things. 
So not only can nothing oppose us, not only will everything must everything be bent to to bless us, but everything that can be done good for us will be done because he hasn't even withheld his son. And if he gives his son, he gives everything. His blessing has no uh, bounds to it. It, it. He's withholding nothing in his blessing upon his people, in his benediction. And, and then, as Paul describes it further, there is no end to that blessing. It, it begins and ends in every part of our life. Uh, there is this blessing. And that's why he can say, nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ. Another way to put that is, nothing can separate you from God's blessing in your life. Nothing. Nothing can take you out of his hands. Now, of course, we fail in many ways. Of course, we don't believe him as we should. And yes, these can hinder in the sense of where Jesus said, uh, where it was said of him that he could do no mighty deeds in that city because of their unbelief. But that's speaking of their absolute unbelief. Okay? It's speaking of their rejection of him, total wholesale rejection of him. And though we are weak and frail and though we don't always believe and we don't always obey, he, has, he is shepherding us along that path to more and more believe, to more and more receive his blessing, to more and more recognize that blessing. He will not be turned away from blessing his people. And everything that must happen to in, for that blessing to come to us God will accomplish it. I want you to look, uh, drop down to in the middle of the passages to Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now, this is what you can call an ascription of praise. As Psalm 29 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And so this is an ascribing to him and so it's not exactly a, a benediction. It's not spoken to us of what God will do for us, but it's spoken about God and how great He is. But in this ascription and in Jude and Peter, you will see that as we glorify and honor Him for what He is, we recognize the great blessing that He is to us in it. So there's much benediction in the praise of God. Because the more you truly recognize him and his greatness, the more you enjoy uh, the fact that he is so good to us. So he says, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Now see, that's ascribing him glory, but look at the benediction upon us. He's able to do more than you can even imagine. And then he measures it. Okay, what's the measurement of this doing that he can, that, uh, that we ask or think? According to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. But again, you see, this is the sovereign word. He does more than you can imagine. Uh, we, we tend to think that we can imagine way past God and God's never going to catch up to what we really want him to do. But it's not that way at all. We could never catch up to all that God is able to do. Uh, we need but believe Him for the great things that He will do for His people. Well, the 
This, this passage also helps, uh, well, I've just talked about his ownership and protection, his sovereign word. Just a word, too, from these passages that his blessing is present and future. His, his blessing is present and future. Like the Ephesians 3 passage, he says, you might think that he's saying to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And you're, you're thinking, yeah, like... He's able to make more stars than I could imagine. You know, he's able to make a black hole, and I just can't fathom that. You know, he's able to make a cell to do things that we can't even fathom yet. He he makes the brain do things that we we can't even fathom yet. But that's not really what he's talking about. He makes it very personal, and it's very present. He's able to do way more than we can ask or think, according to the power presently at work within us. So this is dealing with your conformity to Christ. It's dealing with your putting away sin and living out righteousness. More and more obedience and prayer and love and joy in Him. More worship, more love to others. All of these things. And so to receive this benediction, to acknowledge this God who does this, is for us to have a great expectancy that all of the trash and sin of my life cannot withstand the onslaught of His power and His grace. I must not be discouraged. I must not think it is impossible. Because He's able to do uh, what I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine at times in our lives. I can't imagine stopping this. I can't imagine being pure. I can't imagine being faithful. I can't imagine having a prayer life in which I'm truly engaged, a consistency in devotion, a joy in worship, whatever it is. But he's able to do way beyond anything you can imagine. You see, Acknowledging Him and believing that He intends to bless you in that way is much of the battle. Much the battle of believing and expecting the great things that God will do for us. And it's in the present. And that's the same thing in Hebrews 13. And this is a true benediction. May the God of peace, okay, God of shalom. Shalom is bringing things together, making things whole, healing them, reconstructing us, renovating us. Those ideas have to do with peace or shalom. And notice in verse 21, after talking about He's the one who brought from the dead our Lord Jesus. So here's the indicator. May this God who brought Him from the dead do this in you. Maybe He could do it since He raised Him from the dead. You see the point? The God who raised Christ from the dead now devote that power to equipping you with everything good that you may do His will. Working powerfully, sovereignly in us that which is pleasing in His sight. Maybe we need to hear this blessing every morning for the next month. Read it. Believe it. Pray through it. Oh, Lord God. You have said, and hold him to it. You said that you will equip me with everything good, that I will do your will, that you will work in me that which pleases you. Oh, Lord, I trust you. I believe your promise. I rest in your blessing of me. So the benediction has such wonderful present application in our lives. But Jude also points to the great future that helps us 
uh, even now. Now to him, and here again is an ascription of praise, but this ascription of praise has so much benediction in it. Who's able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. So here, failing, fumbling, sinful Darwin Jordan will one day stand blameless and have great joy before this holy God. How in the world, how in the world will I stand blameless, absolutely clean and have great joy as I look at his perfect holiness and not be condemned? But he says, he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you. He's going to do it. He's got the power to do it. You have no power. And so in our ascribing praise to him, we uh, receive this benediction. We, we enumerate the great blessings that he uh, brings to his people. Uh, we praise him as we think of his goodness to us. And I want to say here that it points out something that these things must be believed. And the more you believe them, the happier you will be as a human being. And the more you will praise him. Uh, We're really to believe these things so much that we're happy about them. That's simple, isn't it? To believe it so much that we're happy about it. We're so happy, we have to say something about it to God. We are overflowing with joy because we believe in the great blessing God has for us in all of our lives. Faith always begets praise. Always. Always. You cannot believe in His goodness towards you without praise coming from it in some way. And so belief and praise, belief and praise. And I think these ascriptions of praise are wonderful ways to join them together, to praise Him for all of His goodness as it helps us to believe He really will keep me from stumbling. He really will present me in that day, even though I fail today, Lord, you will continue to keep me from the absolute stumbling, which this is talking about, from falling away from you, and you will hold me and present me blameless that, in, in that day. How glorious that he will do this. And these last, First uh, Timothy 1 and then Romans 11, uh, just bring about the what I would call the pure blessing of praise. Uh, the invitation to praise is an invitation to full health. It's, you know, the, to call us to praise, to, to ascribe to Him praise, to the King of the ages, immortal, invisible. This is an invitation to restoration as a human being. It's an invitation to the reconstruction of your life. The reorientation of your life to set your life right side up, to bring wholeness and enrichment, to bring release and liberty to your life so that you live out what you're meant for, to praise this God. And it brings me to close with that great statement in Hebrews 11 where he says, uh, without faith it is impossible to please Him because 
You must, you must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those that seek Him. And you could replace rewarder with blesser. I'm making up that word, okay? Uh, that, but isn't that interesting? You must believe, if you're going to please Him, you must believe that He is the one who blesses His people. He will not have you think of Him in any other way as the God who blesses, the God who promises and brings it about. The God who is infinitely good to his people. He will not have you thinking about him in any other way. Without that faith, it is impossible to please him. But what a delight. What a delight to welcome and believe and rejoice in this God who has an infinite desire to bring good into your life. Let us pray. Bless us, Lord. Bless us so that we can receive your blessing. Lord, bless us and open up our hearts to believe and rejoice in all that you are, all that you promise your people. Oh, Lord, bring it about by your mighty power, by your sovereign word, Lord. Speak the word into our hearts. Speak the word that raises us from the dead. Speak the word that causes us to to believe in you and to rejoice in you and to live under your mighty power. Bless us for Jesus' sake. Amen. A pleasing scene is clouded or with pain. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, oh, come with blissful rain. Break radiant through the shades of night And chase my fears away Won't you chase my fears away?